As our children are heading toward O Kids, if you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, as we are in God's Word in this new season of Lent. The very first words that came out of my mouth on the first sermon I preached as the pastor of Orangewood some nearly 15 years ago. It's kind of crazy for me to think that time has gone that fast and as a matter of fact, uh, I've been here at Orange. What a privilege for 25 years. Uh, next month, wow, uh, what a journey this has been and how privileged I am to be a part of what God's doing here. But I remember the first words. It was my first sermon. It was the first sermon as the new pastor. Uh, kind of a weird story that I was here for 10 years as a youth guy and now I was going to be the senior guy. And so what were those first words going to be? And some of you were here and some of you might remember, but it sounded something like this. Today, I begin a sermon series that I hope that will last 25 plus years on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What I wanted to promise was, is that every week that I stand up, I'm going to tell you good news. Good news of what God has done for us through his son. That we have to understand the bad news, that we're sinners and we deserve God's wrath. But instead of wrath, he gives us love. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. And so what a privilege it's been to uh, try to tell that story as best I can, empowered by the Spirit, for these last 15 years. Well, this year, we're trying to tell the story of Jesus loosely following the liturgical calendar, as Jack has said. Matter of fact, it really is loose. I mean, it's like... This morning's text is not what everybody else is doing. We're doing our own text. And so, yet at the same time, this church's history, we always have an Advent series. We always have a time where we look forward to the birth of Christ. And what happens is we follow this, uh, this calendar, as we follow this season, now we look forward to the death of Christ. Because really, as important as the birth of Christ is, equally or maybe even more important, is the death of Christ, that he would die for our sins. He would die so that we could have life. He would taste death so that we could taste life. And really, through this series, our hope and prayer is this. Holy Week often comes upon us. And we're all like, oh my goodness, Holy Week is here. And we haven't necessarily prepared for the reality of what Christ did on the cross. So we're going to be journeying together through this season of what many call Lent. It's kind of our own version of this. Uh, to, to remind ourselves, tell ourselves the story of Jesus and remind ourselves of the sacrifice. And what we're going to use is the next several weeks, I'm going to be preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. I'll be preaching through how Jesus interprets the law for us. It's interesting that Jesus says 87 times in the Gospels, but I say to you, Jesus is the ultimate interpreter of what is real and true. He's going to say 87 times, hey, you've heard it said, but I'm going to say to you, or he's actually going to say, but I say to you something new, something specific. As a matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount alone, 11 times, Jesus says, but I say to you. So that's kind of going to be the umbrella in which we unpack this. What is Jesus saying to you? And what is Jesus saying to me in uh, this incredible Sermon on the Mount? One of the things we're going to realize today is that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it, to accomplish it. And this is incredible good news for us, that, that Jesus didn't just come to start something new. He came to complete something that began. And he came to give us good news. 
Not only that, he says, I didn't come to, to lower the bar. I didn't come to dismiss the bar of God's holiness. We're going to see it's kind of quite astounding. In many ways, Jesus raises the standard. Just think of things like this. You have heard it said that you shall not murder. But I say to you, you shall not hate your brother. That's not lowering the standard. That's raising the bar. That's raising the bar, realizing that, hey, there's a letter of the law, but let's look what was even behind that. What is going to happen is this, is Jesus preaches this sermon that 2,000 years ago, and he preaches it again through a broken servant like me this morning. We're going to realize that the demands of the law, they just can't be kept by you and me. They can't. There's, there's, there's only one who ever kept it. It's a spotless lamb of God, Jesus and he came and he, he did what we couldn't do. He fulfilled it for us. And it will lead us to, as we look at this and we are even reading the Old Testament, I don't know about you, but I, I hope that you kind of were led to repent during that time. As we read through the laws, like, oh man, I've messed up. I, I did it this week. I think this was one of the worst weeks I've had in a while. How about you? I mean, it was, it was awful when it comes to, to the way God is calling me to live and the way I live my life this week. But it makes me long for the cross. It makes me long for the fact that there was one who did what I failed to do. And there's one who, who stood in a place that I deserve to stand. And, and oh, thank you for the cross of Christ. So this whole season, we're going to be longing and looking for the fact that there was an event that took place right here on earth that forever changed the world and forever changed your life and my life. And through this time, our overarching theme, it's, uh, it's repent. Just remember what Christ has done. It's funny. Um, I went to a conference this week. I went uh, up to Chattanooga. We went, uh, I took uh, Joe Austin, our middle school principal, Mark Whitwer, our, our, our curriculum coordinator. And we went up to go see Chattanooga Christian School. Um, we flew up there, got in late Tuesday night. Chattanooga had a little wind come through. They canceled school. It might be a little windy. You know, can't have their little boys and girls come to school. So we're like to go observe the entire day. And there's no kids there the whole day. It, it, God worked it out. We had a great time with the administrators and teachers. And we also went to a, a conference at Covenant College on uh, Christian education and education in general. And as I was flying back, I sat next to a, a young lady, an amazing young lady, a believer, uh, 21 years old, uh, University of North Carolina grad, did it in three years uh, to save money. Um, and we just started talking about our faith. And I, and I want to say, well, I want to tell you, come to our church sometime. So go to our website. So we went to the website. We got this new season of Lent here. And there's big words. Our banner is repent. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I mean, uh, uh we love you though. We really do. But come, uh, it really had a different feel. And I think even when we, when we talk about things like repenting, I'm such a grace junkie. I'm such a gospel junkie that I just love running to the cross. I just love running. And we should always do that. That's a good thing. But we have to remember the reason we have to run to the cross. And that scripture calls us to, to examine our lives, to repent of where we have broken God's commandments and run as fast as we can to Jesus and, and cling to that cross. And so uh, this morning, we're going to pick up Jesus's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 through 20. Uh, we'll pick this up next week. We'll continue through this sermon. Uh, it's been that kind of morning for me that uh, I came here without my Bible. What kind of preacher comes here without his Bible? And so I borrowed Joe Creech's.
which has got the smallest little letters I've ever seen in my life. So I got to wear these here and hopefully I can read this. So if it's for you, it will be on the screen. It should be in the bulletin. You can proofread with me here. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Matthew 5, verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them or accomplish them. For truly I say to you, here's, here's that phrase I say to you that's repeated. Until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. And Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and be with us and that you would do that which only you could do, that you'd be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. That God, this, is, this passage ends with a, a challenge that our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of those religious leaders. What an incredible challenge that is. God, help us to understand what does this mean for us? God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word? Would you give us hearts to embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name? Father, the things I say that are, that are wrong are really my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel... Would you use those things to make us more like your Savior, or your, your Son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, uh, there's a little uh, outline in your bulletin. We just have two points this morning as we look at uh, this incredible passage. And the first one is this. Jesus says, I've come not to abolish, but to accomplish. Especially when it comes to the law and the prophets, this whole Old Testament, uh, he's coming to say, hey, I, I didn't come to abolish this whole thing. I've come to accomplish it. And we see in this, this statement is first and foremost that God's story, God's word is one beautiful unified story. It's not two stories. It's not like a, an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. Or, or this is the way it was, but, but now this is the way it is. There's, there's harmony between the two. There's certainly some things that are different and unique with the New Testament. But Christ is not the variation of the law. You see, the Pharisees said they were suspicious of him. He's saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you, like, hey, wait a minute. Are you you trying to tell us this law is not good? Are you trying to tell us that you're a a, a variation from the law? And he says, no, I, I agree perfectly with God's law. I agree perfectly with the prophets. I am the fulfillment of all of them. I mean, they all point to me is what Jesus would say. And he's saying, for, for Jesus to come and give us good news, uh, a new covenant, Christ Jesus, he had to come and he had to fulfill all that was to make room for all that he was going to bring. 
The gospel is not a revolt to the law or the Old Testament. And if it was, it would have been rejected. That's why the Pharisees were digging in. That's why they were wondering, hey, wait, wait, wait. Is this, is this a new thing here? He said, no, no, no. I didn't come to abolish this. I didn't come to do away with this or diminish this. I, I came to accomplish this. I came to fulfill it. I don't know. It's, it's interesting how testing is done nowadays uh, as you go. And uh, you can uh, oftentimes testings are now done um, online or they're done uh, with a screen, right? Uh, it's interesting. The conference we went to at Covenant College, they were basically saying how outdated textbooks were. The whole thing was how to now teach online and, and how important it will be uh, to be able to use the, uh, the tools of, of today. Well, if you ever taken an exam where you can't click to the next screen without accomplishing the first screen, you can't, you can't go to the second task until you completed the first task. And especially for these, I see some educators in here, you know, you can't go to the next section until you complete that first section. That's really what's happening here with Jesus. He says, you know, we, we can't move on in the story until that first part of the story is completed. And it is completed properly. It's interesting. The Pharisees were the ones who say, well, now the law is so important. When I think of the Pharisees and their understanding of of the law, maybe it'll tell you a lot about who I am, but here's what comes to my mind. Gangsters view of their mother. We don't obey them, but you don't mess with them, Right? We do whatever we want to do. I mean, the Pharisees really, it's really interesting because they were hypocritical. Uh, everything they did was external. It was all for the view of man, nothing to really do with God. And yet you don't mess with mama. You don't mess with the law. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not coming to mess with the law. I've come here to fulfill it. And as I fulfill it, I'm going to be able to give you uh, the grace for a new law. And so what's, what's happening here is we realize that God's standards as holy gods are incredible high. I mean, those 10 commandments should shudder us. And God doesn't lower the bar. All that God requires of us, God provides for us. You see, God doesn't have to change being holy. He doesn't have to change being perfect and just. He can love and have mercy on sinners by sending his son, the only one who's able to accomplish and fulfill the law. Romans 5 helps us out here. Romans 5 kind of tells us that, that God had created man. He created Adam in, in his image and he put him in, a, in the garden. And that as, as Adam went, so went the human race. As Adam was righteous and holy, so were we. And we have this relationship with him. But it says in the Bible that, that Adam messed up and sinned. And because of his sin, he brought on death and brokenness to everybody. Why is the world so messed up? Well, according to the Bible, it's because we're in a broken world. And we're in a broken world because men and women have rebelled against God. And everything from sickness and cancer and disease and addiction and death have all come because of this one man, Adam, according to the Bible. It says death is like part of everyone's life. It's a part of everyone's story. Every one of you has been touched by the reality of death. Is it not true? Everyone has been touched by this curse of law. Is it not true? And Romans 5 says, just like death came through one man's transactions, so does life come through one man's righteousness. Incredible goodness. 
that the second Adam, Jesus, would come and he would do that which we failed to do. He would, he would complete the standard so that we could move on the screen and get to God's grace and mercy and God's law being completely fulfilled. It was accomplished. Well, what was accomplished? What did he accomplish? This is important for us to look at when we look at when Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish, I came to accomplish both the law and the prophets. Well, let's look at that. Jesus came to come to accomplish all that the prophets had promised. And they have some God-sized promises. A good reading of the Old Testament, you'll see that there was a, prophet, a promise that a prophet would come like Moses who will speak to God's people. That's Jesus. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that a priest will come in the order of Melchizedek who will truly be able to offer a, a sacrifice that takes away sins. That's Jesus. He offers himself. The, prophet, the uh, prophets will say that a king will come in the line of David and, and to his reign and rule it'll have no end. And it's Jesus. And so when he says, I've come to accomplish all that the prophets promised, we find that that's true in Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul will say in Corinthians, he'd say that all of God's promises find their yes in him. Isn't that great news? All the things that seem conditional, all the things that seem, if you do that, I'm going to do this. All of God's promises find their yes in him. Think about some of the other promises that a virgin would give birth, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That Jesus himself, as he walked through the, the road to Emmaus with two disciples, he would open up scripture and says, was it not necessary? Let me prove to you that the Messiah must suffer and die. Here's the point. Everything that the prophets promised about a seed who would come, a savior would come that would make all things right. Find their accomplishment in Jesus. But secondly, all that the law demands. Now you look at the old Testament there, the law, you have the moral law, like the 10 commandments. You have the ceremonial law, things like the Passover lamb, and you have a civil law when God was in a theocracy with his people. And we see that all of that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus, the ceremonial law. Well, the ceremonial law was all these shadows, all these sacrifices, all these feasts, all these things that they did year in and year out, day in and day out, and they never seemed to work because they weren't the substance themselves. They just were pointing to what was to come, and it was Jesus. He is the fulfillment of what was to come. Let's look at the Passover lamb. Incredible story in the Bible of how God would lead his people out of slavery and, and uh, uh, into the promised land. And then how he would bring plagues upon the Egyptians. And the last plague, the most severe plague, was, was the death of the firstborn son. And yet Jesus provides a Passover lamb, that an incredible kind of crazy story that the sacrifice of a lamb and the blood placed on a doorpost will cause death to pass over those who had been covered by the blood of the lamb, so to speak. And you scratch your head and say, man, what an incredible story. That was just a shadow. It was just pointing to the true ultimate Passover lamb. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He's the one, because of his shed blood, death passes over us. That we are led into the promised land because of God's true Passover lamb, Jesus being sacrificed for us. 
The writer of Hebrews says, you know, these priests, they stand over and over and they sacrifice all these bulls and goats, but they can't take away sin. They're just shadows. They're just pointing to something else. But Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, when he hung on a cross and dripped blood to cover our sins, it works. It's accomplished. The substance is here. It's not just a shadow and we truly are forgiven. But more than just the ceremonial uh, law being fulfilled, it's the moral law being satisfied. The moral law. I mean, God is holy. God is without sin. The book of Habakkuk says that God's eyes are so pure, he can't even look on sin. So we're thinking, oh my goodness, how can he look on us? How can he delight in us? If God is that holy, does he have to put his holiness aside to really love and delight in us? No. He would love us enough that God would demonstrate his own love for us that while we're still sinners and have no hope, he would send Christ Jesus to die for us. And the reality is this, is that all God required, all of that moral law, all of the, have no other God above me, have no idols, the, all of the requirements of the moral law, Jesus came and he perfectly obeyed his father. And because of that, we know that we are considered righteous in his side. He doesn't come to, uh, to abolish, he comes to accomplish. He doesn't come to diminish, but to exceed. It looks like Jesus is raising the bar. And for, for many of us who love drinking this grace Kool-Aid, it's hard for us to understand. I know that I'm saved by grace. How in the world does it seem like Jesus is raising the bar? He's going to hear, we're going to unpack this in the next couple of weeks. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Let me tell you, if your life is filled with lust, you're committing adultery. He's not lowering the bar. He's raising the bar. What in the world is he doing? He says, now, if, if, our, if our righteousness doesn't exceed the religious leaders, if it doesn't exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not going to get in. And you want to stop and say, well, wait a minute. These people prayed the longest prayers. These people tied everything they had. When it comes to religion, these people were professional. They were really, really good. Is God asking me to be more than a professional Christian? I mean... How am I supposed to have a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees and the scribes? I think if you start peeling that back a little bit, you realize that their righteousness really wasn't righteous at all. You see, they did their righteous acts, according to scripture, in front of man for the approval of men. Uh, they, they did it out of duty, not out of love. Uh, they, they did those things to try to justify themselves. They're saying, hey, we could go in front of a holy God on our own merits because we've been religious. We have done these things. Incredible hypocritical they were because why? They did them with their words and they did them with their deeds, but their hearts were far from the love of their God. Everything they did, well, they did really for themselves. Having a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is having a righteousness that's been given to you by God's grace through faith. It's been given to you by God's grace through faith. And now we're robed in Christ's righteousness. And now that we are called to, to follow God's law, but we do it right for this. We do it because of faith. We do it in faith and in love and in hope, not in duty and response. Now in faith, we, we strive to honor God. We do it, we, we try to live holy and, and moral lives. Why? To bring glory to God. 
not to bring justification for ourselves. Do you see the difference? The Pharisees and the scribes, they were trying to do the law, and they came far from it, trying to justify themselves. Those of us who are in the grip of grace, those of us who by God's grace know that we are sinners who have come so short of even for a nanosecond completing the law, but yet are considered righteous in Christ's sake. We now respond and obey out of love. And we now try to bring glory to God. He he knows that we still stumble. He still knows that we're a mess. But he's pleased with us. And he's delighted with us in the Father. Because of the Son. Filled with the Holy Spirit. We now have the privilege of fulfilling, striving to be holy. Because he's made us holy. Remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. We don't try to live a certain life to become something. We live our life because we've became something. We we already are something in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation. We're forgiven. We're loved. We're free. We're his children. And now be imitators of God as dearly loved children. We respond in a way saying, God, continually repenting and believing, knowing that we're broken, stumbling and falling all the way home, but knowing that we're loved and in Christ we are righteous. You see, communion, as we come to this table, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a, pro- a proclamation that mission is accomplished, that Jesus came for sinners. He came to seek and to save the lost, and he came to accomplish the law, and he is the spotless Lamb of God, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, he paid the price. We are forgiven and free. You see, we can't come to this table if Jesus didn't complete the requirement of the Old Testament law. He wouldn't have been the spotless lamb of God. We can't come to God unless he paid the price. And now we come by God's grace in faith. You see, at the cross, the shadows that were promised, the shadows find their substance. At the cross, the moral law being fulfilled is accomplished. And God took him who knew no sin. Incredible. He took Jesus who knew no sin, the the spotless lamb of God, the one who was obedient to the end. He took him who knew no sin to become our sin on that cross. So that he could take the righteousness of God. He could take the righteousness of Jesus and he could give it to us. And so now this incredible exchange takes place at the cross. Those who have been broken, those who are sinful, those who deserve God's wrath, receive God's love, grace, and mercy. And we are considered righteous in Christ. We are declared not guilty because of the work of Christ. His life, death, and resurrection. We are brought in to the family. As we spend this time, this Lent season, journeying, we're looking at God's law. May it lead all of us to examine deeply our lives. To repent of the things that we're not doing that God's called us to do. But run, run in faith to Christ. And be so grateful for a sacrifice that sets us free. That covers us wholly. And that makes us his. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to accomplish it. Who came not to lower the bar, but actually raise it and to ask us to live our lives now by faith and grace. 
and to God become more like Christ, be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. And God, I pray that through this season that the pastor and that each one of us would, by the power of your spirit, have the power to examine our lives, to look deeply, to, to repent of the things that you've asked us to do that we don't do, like love you with our whole heart and love our neighbors ourselves. And the things that we continually do, like long for what our neighbor has and lust after the world's beauty. And God, would you use this season to prepare us for Holy Week and prepare us for that cross of Christ and to remind us every day of a sacrifice that was made so that we could be cleansed and we could be yours. And God, as we give our tithes and offerings, we thank you that we don't give a thing trying to earn anything like the Pharisees and scribes tried to do, that we give in response to everything we've given to you. Would you bless them to advance your kingdom, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.